you have probably heard of the most recent kind of parties called uh, gender reveal parties. It's where family, friends gather and you get together with a couple expecting a baby and they have this party and there's food and there's cake or, there, or there's cupcakes. What is significant is that in this cake it tells whether the baby is going to be a boy or a girl by the color of the cake. The frosting is usually white, I'm guessing, but beneath the frosting is either blue or pink cake. So the couple takes the first bite, and if it's pink, it's a girl. If it's blue, it's a boy. Now, we don't want to get into gender-specific of whether it matters whether a boy likes pink or a girl likes blue. We're just doing a gender reveal party, okay? Often the couple doesn't even know the gender of the baby until they take that first bite, as I understand it. Now, in fact, there was one here about a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you know or not, but Tim and Danielle Donaghy found out that they are going to have a son. Is that correct? Through a, did you have cake and did you bite into it? Uh, what, yeah, what now? Yeah. Donuts. <laughs> I wish I had called you beforehand. <laughs> Donuts. Tell you what, life is just fast moving. We've gone from cake to donuts now. And you're going to have a baby boy, so congratulations. And you found out when you ate the donut, correct? So congratulations to Grandma and Grandpa, Bob and Ann Donaghy as well. Does he have a name, by the way? Yeah. Does that get revealed? Did, did that get revealed in the donut as well? Or? No. Okay. Anyway, there was a gender reveal party, so congratulations to the family. I'm all thrown off about the donut stuff now, so. Let's rewind about 2,000 years ago. I don't know if it was a party. I don't know if it was a gender reveal party, but Mary had an encounter. She had an encounter which something significant was revealed. Mary, too, was going to have a baby, a boy. And the boy not only be called Jesus, but will be called the Son of God. Now, I'm not sure what color of cake indicates both a boy and the Son of God. I'm not sure what color donut. But this was huge, both for Mary and both for history. Now, this party had just two people, Mary the mother-to-be and an angel named Gabriel, sent by God to deliver this message. And maybe for our purposes this morning, it's more than a party. It's what I would call a reveal party in a sense that it's a revelatory moment, a moment of revelation, a moment in which God is revealing God's purposes and how God reveals is as significant as to what God is revealing. Let me frame it this way. Maybe what this story can invite us to think about is the reality that God is in the business of revealing to us what God is up to and what God intends. God doesn't leave us in the dark. God didn't stop revealing to humanity and his intent and purposes years ago, God still reveals and God still speaks. I think sometimes we may feel that God has gone silent, that God spoke to folks in the Bible years ago but doesn't speak anymore. We hear of people hearing God speak, but we just don't think it will happen to you and I. And to be honest, we may even raise an eyebrow or two at those who say, well, God is speaking to them. Some of you of you may remember uh, the actress and comedian Lily Tomlin who said this years ago, quote, why is it when we talk to God, we're said to be praying, but when God talks to us, we're said to be crazy? I think about that. When we talk to God, we call it praying. But when God somehow talks to us, we say, that person just must be crazy. But maybe God hasn't stopped talking. 
Maybe I've just stopped listening. Maybe God hasn't stopped revealing. I just quit paying attention. We do our share of talking to God. We, we do our share of praying. But do we ever expect or encounter God speaking to us, God revealing to us? And I want to suggest that the story of Mary and the angel tells us one thing. God does reveal to humanity his intent, his purposes, and God often chooses the most unlikely recipients to reveal his purposes to. Mary was not among the elite. She wasn't among the religious professional. She was a very young peasant girl, and in the scheme of things, she was a nobody, someone who existed on the margins. I don't think Mary even existed on the fringes. She was outside the circle. She didn't hang out with the powerful. She didn't hang out in influential circles. She lived a very simple life that was far removed from all the power structures of the day. Didn't have a degree, didn't go to seminary, didn't do any of that. But yet God visited her with a message and a call. One of the verses of scripture I often return to is the Apostle Paul's own story of his encounter with the living Christ. In his letter to the Galatians, Paul writes this, quote, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin, nor did I receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you hear what Paul is saying? I didn't receive this from anybody. This is not a second-hand spiritual life that I live. God revealed to me directly his message, his love, his presence, and his power. And this gets to the core, I think, of who we are as friends. I think it gets to the core of who we are as Quakers. We believe that Christ has come to teach his people himself and that God continues to reveal to us in our day his intent and his purposes. So Mary's encounter with the angel is more than just this Christmas story. It is a story of how God interacts with humanity and how God interacts with you and I, and it is a reminder that God is not quiet, and God is not distant, and God is not far removed from our world and the world in which we live. God steps into our world, speaks to us his intentions, and reveals to us his plans and his purposes. Now, could this leave us perplexed at times? Could it leave us a little bit on edge? I think so, certainly. Look at Mary. These were Mary's reactions when the angel came to her. Mary was perplexed and she was fearful. Sometimes we can't make sense of it right away. We can't make sense of what God is revealing. Sometimes we're a bit fearful because we're afraid of what we might be led to share. We're maybe a little bit fearful that this message that God is revealing to us is bigger than us. Maybe we're not even sure where it's going to take us. But there's something in it that has a sense of God, that has a sense of power, that has a sense of life, and has a sense of energy, and we know that this is God speaking and God revealing. This past week in our regular ministering council meeting, I shared with them, and this is for those who don't know, this is uh, what friends have as elders who are essentially have the responsibility of the uh, spiritual guidance and condition of the meeting. And I shared with them in part the leadings I have been having regarding my own um, focus and pastoring for the coming year, where I feel God leading me, what God is speaking to me, trying to listen. And one thing I shared was this deep awareness within myself that one of the most important things we could do as a faith community, individually and corporately, 
is learn to listen more intently to God. Is listen deeply to what God is saying. Listen, listen with openness. Listen with availability. And listen with this trust that God is genuinely speaking. And listen directly so that the messages and what we receive doesn't always come from somebody else. It comes from what God is speaking to our hearts and to our souls. No one knows your soul's condition better than God. Now maybe you think I follow you around. Maybe you think I stalk you because I often hear people say, I don't know how in that message you knew exactly what I was going through. Believe me, I don't follow you. I don't stalk you. Sometimes it's just a matter of owning up to my own human condition and realizing in some ways the human condition is the same wherever we go. And we're all maybe struggling with the same stuff. And we're all fearful of the same stuff. And we all battle with the same stuff. In many ways, we are uniquely created by God, but in many ways, we're not that unique. In many ways, the human condition is the same. But God knows your condition better than anyone else. And God can speak to that condition better than anyone else. So we listen. We listen as Mary listened. We lean into these revelations we receive from God, not completely understanding what they may mean, not completely having the courage to live into it, but we listen and we lean into it because we know and trust that God has our best interest at heart. That, friends, is really the challenge of trust and faith, is believing and trusting that God has our best interest at heart. That when I sense a leading from God, when I sense a nudging from God or a prompting from God, that God truly has my best interest at heart. This is no bait and switch with God. I'm not going to get punked by God. I'm not in some ways going to have a shell game with God. God really has my best interest at heart. And that's why God speaks or reveals or invites. And so we listen. We listen to the messages that seem to come directly to us, like the angel's message to Mary. Sometimes what is revealed to us feels direct and very huge, but we listen and we take it in. Sometimes it's so huge, we may not even be able to make sense of it in that moment, but we live with it and we sit with it and we keep listening and we keep asking. It's okay to ask God questions. We listen to the new life that's growing inside of us, and we wonder what it might mean for us to share this new life with the rest of the world. You know, Mary had new life growing within her, literally. And the new life that grows within us may take the form of new joy, a new sense of compassion, or a renewed sense of mercy and love. Sometimes maybe the new life within us is this new sense that in all my shame and all my guilt and all of my past and mistakes, I really am beginning to sense God's deep love for me in a way that I never have before. Maybe it's a newfound faith and trust in God or a new sense of purpose. Maybe it's a new vision for our life. Whatever form it takes, we listen to the new life that is growing deep inside of us. Maybe it's a new sense of wanting to commit our life in a deeper way to Christ that we never have before, but we feel ourselves drawn to it. We are longing for something more real, more substantial, 
something that is authentic. And we listen for how our life and maybe our lives might play a role in disturbing the status quo as well as challenging the existing powers. A little background on that phrase. See, at the time of Jesus' birth, the Romans were in power. And the most powerful figures of the Roman Empire were the emperors. At the time of Jesus' birth, it was Caesar Augustus. Now, these emperors were given divine status. So much so, they were often referred to as saviors. And their birth was often signified as good news. When Caesar Augustus was born, and any other little Caesars after him, it was always proclaimed good news. The Savior is here. And in fact, those who were born after Augustus were often referred to as the Son of God. Do you see the similarity here? You had a culture. You had a worldview in which the powers that existed in that day were seen upon as divine powers. They were seen upon as the ones that would bring good news. They were seen as the ones who literally were sons of God. They were seen as the ones who would be saviors. In fact, you had a whole culture of people putting their trust in faith in humans, giving them some sense of divine power. So when Jesus' birth is announced, he is announced as what? A savior. He has announced to the shepherds that there is good news, a Savior is born, and to marry this Jesus will be called the Son of God. In other words, this is revolutionary stuff. Jesus coming into the world, and Jesus coming into this world, ushered in through Jesus a different rule, a different reign, a different kingdom that stands in direct contradiction to the existing powers and the status quo. In other words, Caesar is no longer your savior. God is. Caesar is no longer your good news. The kingdom of God and Jesus is. Caesar and all his little Caesars after this are no longer the sons of God. Jesus is the son of God. And this kingdom that he ushers in is the kingdom we have all been waiting for. And we are invited to live into. You see, the Roman Empire was one of power and oppression. Jesus ushered in this rule of servanthood, mercy, and relief. The Roman Empire was one of peace based on fear and violence. Jesus ushers in this rule of peace based on forgiveness, reconciliation, and nonviolence. The Roman Empire is based on power in the hands of a few. Jesus ushers in this, this kingdom in which those on the bottom finish first and those on the margins are valued and those that were forgotten were given dignity. And the Roman Empire was based on hate and hating your enemies. And the kingdom Jesus ushered in was based on love and loving one's enemies. And so when we listen to Jesus and the life of Jesus and what Jesus was bringing to birth in this world, we may find that our lives are called upon to live in a way that contradicts how the world lives. But this is a holy contradiction. For to live in the way of Jesus is to live in the way that God intends for the world to be. I don't think this is something we can plan. I think it's what we do as we live close to Jesus and the kingdom as we possibly can. So when the time comes and the moment rises, we instinctively know how we are to be and what we are to do in those moments. Sometimes I get it right. Sometimes I don't get it right. And it may seem completely opposite of what the majority is doing, but we know it to be right because we are listening to the one who brings us life 
and to the one who brings us light. So here's what I believe. I believe that God is intent on bringing to this world a creation that is renewed and restored. I believe that God is intent on bringing to this world a peace and love that transcends all the sentimental notions of it but goes right to all the messy places of hate and division we often experience and see. I believe that God desires that all flourish and live with joy. I believe that God is intent on bringing reconciliation to this world in such a way that brokenness is healed, relationships are restored, and souls are mended. And I believe that God intends that we don't live our lives in constant fear, but that we live our lives with a deep sense of trust and confidence that all will be well and that all will be well. Now you're probably saying, this guy doesn't watch the news very much, does he? And I would probably say, on the contrary, I probably watch it too much. I probably listen to it too much. But literally, literally, I hang my hopes on the words of Gabriel to Mary when he said, for nothing will be impossible with God. The moment I stop believing, that is the moment I stop living with hope and purpose. The moment I quit believing that all things with God are possible is the moment hope dries up. That's all I got. But that's all I think I need to start and to live. I believe it. And I guess that when it comes to the end of it, all I have left to say, if I can say it, are the words of Mary. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. See, that's the invitation, I think, of Christmas. You get a lot of invitations this time of year. You make about, what, 80% of them, and the other 20%, you tell people you're not feeling well. The most important invitation one will receive is, will you be part of this? Will you join this? Will I and you be able to say with Mary, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. I want to share a prayer, I guess you could say, a poem from Madeline Lingle, the writer, and then I'm going to take a seat and we'll take a few moments. But here's what she writes about Jesus coming into the world. He did not wait till the world was ready, till men and nations were at peace. He came when the heavens were unsteady and prisoners cried out for release. He did not wait for the perfect time. He came when the need was deep and great. He dined with sinners and all of their grime, and then he turned water into wine. He did not wait till hearts were pure. In joy he came to a tarnished world of sin and doubt. To a world like ours of anguished shame, he came, and his light would not go out. He came to a world which did not mesh, to heal its tangles, shield its scorn. In the mystery of the word made flesh, the maker of the stars was born. And we cannot wait till the world is sane, to raise our songs with a joyful voice, for to share our grief and to touch our pain. He came with love. Rejoice. Rejoice, or as we sang earlier, hallelujah, hallelujah.